Hello, and welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different cities, are at three different life stages, and have three different perspectives. They are excited to learn and grow alongside of you. This is a space full of love and acceptance, no judgment, because let's face it, we all sleep in our makeup. Please welcome Lauren, Megan, and Kristen. Hello, everybody. I can't believe it's May. Welcome to Mental Health Awareness Month. We are super excited for today. We have my therapist, Dr. Lucy Underwood here. She is a licensed professional counselor in the states of Texas and Colorado. She is the owner and executive director of Underwood Counseling and Consultation based in McKinney, Texas, where Dr. Underwood and her team of nine clinicians provide care for individuals ages 12 through adulthood. Dr. Underwood holds a PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Memphis, a master's degree from Troy University in Montgomery, Alabama, and a bachelor's degree from Auburn University. She has been working in the field of mental health for 27 years and specializing in trauma recovery and emotional wellness. And we are just so grateful that she agreed to come on our podcast. And I did want to mention before we get started that we did give her permission to talk a little bit about our family's, you know, therapy journey. So that is something we did give her permission for. So I wanted to make sure that was known. I just think it's really important to have these real conversations about mental health and help, you know, lessen the stigma around having a therapist means you have serious issues, which let's just be real. We all have issues and counseling should be something we all incorporate in our life is my belief, you know, similar to taking care of your physical body kind of something that Dr. Lucy will get into. I think it's just as important to take care of your mental health. So let's get started. We can't wait for y'all to hear from her and learn from her. And we hope, you know, it inspires at least one person to find a counselor today because I definitely don't know what I would do without her in my life. So anyways, we hope you enjoy. Thank you. Hey, sisters. Hey. Hey. How are are y'all today? Good. Busy, busy. I know. And it cooled down. It was like in the 30s overnight. It's weird. I know. I was like, what is this? It's sweater sweater weather again. Yeah. I'm excited. (laughs) So funny. Well, we're super thrilled today for Mental Health Awareness or in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. We have asked my personal therapist on who I can't wait for you guys to get to know. Her name is Dr. Lucy Underwood. So welcome, Lucy. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to join y'all. Yay. And a little side note, our mom actually is the one who introduced me to Lucy through our friend Danielle. And so she was went to Lucy as well and loved her so much. So there's also just kind of a deeper connection for on our end. I don't know for Lucy, but yes. we have feel yes. you remind us of our mom too. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. You know, <laughs> I think that I think therapists serve a lot of different purposes for people, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yes. And this is Lauren. And I think I'm the only one in the family who hasn't personally had a session with you or met you. But funny enough, I feel like through all of my chats with mom that I feel like I do know you. And so I just thank you for um, all the work that I don't know, you made such a difference in our mom's life. And so I thank you for that. You're very welcome. And you know, it's such a pleasure, you know, 
to, to know all of you. And I think it's important to just to let the audience know, you know, it's uh, confidentiality is uh, so important. And you all have spoken to each other and given me permission to even just acknowledge that I know each of you as family. And some people might misunderstand that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, thank you. <laughs> I love that. We all want to know about each other. Like, we- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, there's none of that. <laughs> yeah. That's not allowed. Everybody's secrets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, we just tell each other, like, through. I tell my sisters everything. I don't know. I don't always tell them everything that I do in therapy because I get like exhausted by it. And I'm like, I can only only talk in therapy because I can't talk any further outside of it. But pretty much they know everything. One thing that I'd love to just kind of kick off talking about mental health is just from your perspective, what makes caring for one's mental health important? And why do you think that is important? Well, I mean, it is a very integral part of who we are. We aren't just a physical being. We are an emotional being. And so it's so important that we are caring for our whole self. And I think sometimes that gets neglected, focus a lot on the physical wellness and social wellness, you know, with our groups of friends or our family. But we forget about making our whole person, especially our emotional health, a priority. And I think it's really a foundation piece of us. If we don't take care of our emotional health, all those other things we're trying to take care of will dwindle. I agree. Gosh. It's so true. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know why, but sometimes I dread therapy. But then because I'm like, gosh, I just talk so much about myself. It's kind of like Megan said, it's exhausting. But every time I do it, like I feel so much better and just like a huge relief. And it's like I can just conquer the rest of my week. And so I'm Mm -hmm. always so happy I've done it, you know. You bring up a good point. I've encountered many people who come in and they will say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm talking so much about myself. And my response is, this is your space. This is what you do. We are conditioned, I think, in our, sometimes in our culture, you know, our family systems, that to talk about ourselves, our needs, what we want to do with life or how we feel about a certain situation is being selfish and that get internalized and can become very damaging. And it makes us put ourselves very low on the priority list. And in some cases, not on the list at all. So true. Yeah. That's why I think, I don't know why I have that ingrained in me. That's why I think therapy has been so big for me because I like do not like talking about myself And when I do, I definitely weirdly like say I'm in a conversation with random friends or something. And I realize when I walk away, like, gosh, I just talked about myself the whole time. Like gross. I'll literally get like mad at myself and feel like this guilt. And then that's weird. I'm like, why, why do I care? They're probably not thinking that. (laughs) It's so weird. But coming to therapy actually does like help me release all of what is really going on in my head. And it kind of forces me into that because I don't force myself into it. Well, I do because I sign up for therapy, but (laughs) just in general. (laughs) Yeah. I think sometimes it's just good to get all your crazy thoughts, not necessarily crazy, but you know, sometimes crazy out there and to somebody else, you know, is just so therapeutic in itself. And I think every person needs that, you know, I mean, I could be wrong, but I really do feel that way. Yeah. I think everyone deserves to feel validated uh, in their, you know, 
thoughts and their emotions. And again, I think in a lot of cases, we're taught not to validate each other. Um, It's not on purpose, but we're so quick to identify what someone's not to doing well, that we forget the importance of, you know, showing that compassion and understanding or saying, yeah, you know, what you're saying is true. I understand that. It's okay to feel that way. Um, We're real quick to tell people, no, 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 no. You can't think like that or you can't feel that way. You need to change. So, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that we're also emotional beings. And so kind of touching on what you just said, what makes it so hard for us to change emotionally? Well, I think it's a number of of areas. A big one is trauma. And I'd love to share more about what that means if we have time. But I think we grow up being conditioned, you know, the things we do, the way we're taught. Sometimes we become fiercely independent, right? We become inflexible. We have fear, fear of change. What if I change? Will I be accepted? People understand me. Will they like me? Will I still have the same group of friends? Will I like myself if I change? Which is really kind of an interesting thought because if someone's very uncomfortable with how they're feeling and they want change, but they're afraid to take this step forward because what if I still don't like myself, right? Mm -hmm. Change is also about boundaries sometimes. And we, and improving oneself is not always popular. (laughs) Yes, exactly. A lot of people ask about boundaries. Uh, We know we need them, you know, but sometimes again, we're taught we can't do that. Yeah. So you mentioned trauma and I would love for you to get more into that because I just feel like, you know, obviously we've dealt with a lot of trauma um, recently (laughs) and I think everybody, you know, between all, you know, all things COVID and just all the things I would love for you to get into that. One of the best definitions of trauma that I've ever come across was by Dr. Francine Shapiro, who is the founder of EMDR or otherwise known as eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. She defined trauma as any event that has had a lasting negative impact. So when you take that definition, and I share that with individuals, they're like, oh my gosh, I have overlooked so many issues in my life that have affected me, or I'm still carrying with me. It could be a very tragic situation. Or it could be my parents moved me out of my junior high class across the country to a new school in 10th grade. I didn't know anybody and I felt alone. You know, that could be traumatic for that individual or someone lost their job, uh, which a lot of individuals over the past year and a half have faced significant changes in their careers, because there's a domino effect there, right? So trauma is very, the definition is very um, broad. Mm -hmm. And I think it empowers a person to be able to say, wait a minute, there is something that's impacting me. And it's not left up to professional to say that's not trauma, or that is trauma, you get to define that as an individual. Yeah, makes sense. And how do you know, and I guess I would love to, you mentioned EMDR, and I would love to talk more about what that is. And then also I know Megan shared with us that she's done a therapy called AACT or ACT with you. 
Is that right? No, yeah. actually, ART. Oh, ART. Accelerated, uh-huh. accelerated resolution therapy, which is very, it has a lot of similarities to EMDR, and I'm actually certified in both. And so, and what are those, if you don't mind? Yeah, explaining. absolutely. So EMDR been around since the 80s, founded, as I said, by Dr. Francine Shapiro, who was trying to understand how one could process trauma and change uh, how they think and feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she realized that through trial and error that the brain is involved in that. And the method by which we can create the change is through what's known as bilateral stimulation of the left and right hemispheres of the brain. So in the case of the therapy that I do with EMDR, I can use eye movement by using my hand going back and forth in front of someone's face, and they can track my hand with their eyes. You can use a light bar to have the same effect, or you can use tactile stimulation that alternates from the left or right. Some people also use auditory stimulation. Mm -hmm. The best efficacy is with the eyes, but it's not the eye itself that's having the change. It is the brain. So we know that, or it is thought that the right hemisphere of our brain is where emotion and creativity is housed. And the left side of our brain, it is thought that that's where all of our like rational thinking comes from. Mm-hmm. When we have an emotional experience, emotion gets so elevated. And if we aren't solid in our coping skills and have good resources to be able to say, hey, wait, brain, we're okay. Yeah. All right. You can take a walk. You can go talk to somebody. We can X, Y, or Z, you know, that's healthy. Then emotion is going to jump in there and say, I'm going to solve this problem. And it works, but it also is creating, or in many cases, reinforcing a negative response to that crisis or that challenge. Yeah. Our brain will remember that. We learn it very quickly. And so the next time another event comes up, the brain emotion jumps in and says, hey, you don't need to think. I've got it. That makes sense. And we will repeat that unhealthy um, behavior. And Mm -hmm. so over time, when we continue to let emotion run the show, our thinking gets blocked. Mm -hmm. Emotion just will block us from thinking rationally. Our Emotion is just not that sophisticated and understanding. And so we have to do this process to kind of think of it as kind of rebalancing. We want thinking, especially rational thinking, Mm -hmm. to be more dominant than emotion. And in fact, it is thought that that is uh, naturally how it's supposed to be. So we we use this process to sort of get that recalibrated, if you will. Accelerated resolution therapy was founded by Lainey Rosensway who lives in Connecticut, um, she was an EMDR therapist and said, hey, I, I would like to like, kind of try some different things. Sometimes I'm worried about people feeling flooded with emotion, you know, in the process because mm-hmm. we're desensitizing that emotion in EMDR to give the person access to thinking. 
So sometimes she felt like it was too much and the person would feel overwhelmed and that would put them at risk of leaving therapy because mm-hmm. they weren't seeing immediate or fast results. And so she modified uh, some of the approach, did a tremendous amount of research with the University of South Florida and came up with a new process known as accelerated resolution therapy, which focuses very heavily on the connection between the negative image that we hold in our head. And we all have a picture, right? Mm -hmm. When we think of something, a picture pops up, but it focuses on desensitizing or replacing that negative image because it's what holds all of the negative emotion in the present. So if something happened, you know, some in the past, and the past could have been yesterday, it could have been two hours ago, it could have been 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. we still hold that picture right now. That's the lens that we're looking through and we still respond to it in that way. So we want to change that picture yeah. so that we feel differently. We're not erasing memory in either process, but we're giving you a healthier vantage point, if you will. Yeah. 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 I could speak to like my experience with the ART. It was very interesting because it, it was like I was walking through a fair but each, you know, mm-hmm. tent had a different one of my fears in it. And sh- in the way we kind of walked through it, it was almost like I was creating a movie in my head of like the different mm-hmm. things that I've experienced in my life. And then we would do different like things to go through it. And then you did the eye kind of movement with me. And it was weird because mm-hmm. I would get to a point and, you know, you always have thoughts in your head like, what is happening? This is weird. And then... <laughs> I remember we got to one point of it and I just started crying and I was like, what the heck just happened to me? (laughs) Like, but it was good Mm -hmm. because I could feel like something releasing where I didn't realize I was like looking at myself in that way Mm -hmm. because there's just all these things within our minds that I think are almost subconscious. And that's what I feel like I learned from the ART is it really did help me. I don't think it made me fearless or anything, but it definitely like helped me work through some, some stuff. Right. And, and again, it's not erasing, yeah. you know, that you had a worry or concern around a certain situation. But when it, you're aware of it again, you can say, oh, wait a minute. Yes, that was something that's something I don't like. Mm-hmm. And I'm OK. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. That happened some time ago or that's not what's going on right now. That's where your healthy, rational thinking is able to really sort of step forward. Yeah. Yeah. So Lucy, is the goal with both of the therapies, and maybe this is not relevant, but is the goal to kind of, if you gave ratios to each side of the brain, is it to get the left side of the brain? You said to make it more dominant. Does that mean that we want to get the right side of the brain like down to 0% if we were assigning percentages or is there some type of like healthy ratio there? <laughs> well, I've never actually looked at it in terms of ratio. It's really more about we just want our healthy thinking to mm-hmm. run the show. We're not going to erase emotion. You know, right. we're, we're not. Our goal is to uh, is not to prevent an emotional response. Our goal is 
to when we have an emotional response, our left brain can say, hey, you know what? That's appropriate to be upset about that. You're also okay. And this will pass. As opposed to catastrophizing or, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. I, how am I going to go on? I can't, you know, yeah. deal with this. I, and, and which causes people sometimes to do very irrational things. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so for example, I'll just open up and share that in our mom's car, she died from a car accident. As you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning days after she passed, I had these like re- repetitive visualizations just of her last moments of, you know, her getting hit by the truck and the car flipping and, and just trying to imagine what was going through her mind, if anything. And, and then, you know, we found out later on that the first people to the scene said that she was actually alive and didn't die on impact. Like the first responders had originally told us. And so it was like that just whole, even though I wasn't there physically when the accident happened, um, I did unfortunately see a picture of it. And so, so I guess what you're saying is, and uh, thankfully over time, whenever my brain would go there, it would bring up feelings of almost like I couldn't take a full breath Mm -hmm. and that I did, my heart just ached for her in the thought of, what might be going through her, the, how she might be afraid or, or hurting physically or, or whatever. But so whenever my brain went there, I would just try to take like deep breaths and then just focus on like getting that out of my head and replacing it with, you know, the beautiful pictures of my mom and just like Mm -hmm. imagining talking to my mom, you know, visualizing her face and her laugh and all of that. So if I came to you with those thoughts, what would, what would you recommend? Oh, by the way, Lauren, that's like the, f- yeah. that's the first ART that I did was like for that exact thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Megan, so I- do you want to talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Um, if you want to, of course, yeah, it, it would be more appropriate. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So basically she would do what I was talking about where we walk through all of those fears and all of those images. And, um, she had me do, and it's hard because I've done a couple of them now. So I feel like I'm kind of mixing up the few that I've done, but we had like the picture in my head and we had to paint over it. And then we had to create a new image in my head. A new image of that moment or just a completely new image? Just like a, well, I think you can choose yourself because she'll kind of walk you through and ask you questions, but it's really up to you what you would paint, but you would repaint. um, Like I painted a picture of mom like standing above all of us and holding all of us. And I, it made me feel like she was like our, I don't know, like this sounds I don't know if it sounds like blasphemy, but she's like our family, like savior in a way. Like I feel like she saved so many people and has had this like ripple effect. So my image of the accident, I erased that accident and changed it to like, she was doing this like grand act to like have a ripple effect on people to love God, you know? And it was like walking through that whole therapy and there's lots of different things. Like I really want you to come and see Lucy in person now that we're talking about this, knowing that I know I'm sorry. It's (laughs) making me want to cry. I I think it would be really helpful because 
it helped me a lot. And she does these things during the ART where you're like, I think it's affecting your brain. You don't realize that's why I was like crying the whole time. Um, cause afterwards I will say, I still do picture the accident, but like I used to picture it every single day cause I drove past it every day. Um, yeah. but now I, I don't really, my brain weirdly doesn't go to the bad parts of the accident as much as it used to. Now I, I still do every now and then, but for the most part, when I go to the accident, I like immediately go to thinking about what she did for all of us mm-hmm. and for so many people. Like I, it really did help my brain yeah. like transition that memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important, especially when we talk about grief, you know, um, either process, whether we're doing EMDR, ART, or even just talk therapy, it's always, I have found that it's important to help a person kind of look at the entire lifespan of this individual that that we've lost and honor their whole life, not just this last moment, right? Yeah, yeah. And so... Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. so hard. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, know. guys. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I was just telling y'all before we started this, like I discovered a new feeling that I never had my whole life where, and I asked y'all, I was like, do y'all feel like you're suffocating? This is a new feeling. And it started happening when mom died. It's like, when I start thinking about her a lot, I, I feel like I'm literally suffocating. Yeah. Um, and I've never, I don't know what that's fully about other than like, it's like, I know I can't change it. So it feels like, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> but can you? I mean, you might can change that. Yeah. So you can change yeah. that. I, I want to. Yeah. I also, Lucy, is that the same technique you did with me as well? I, Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I've mm-hmm. experienced it. It's it's crazy. It also makes you super sleepy. <laughs> Well, or it made me I'm super glad, sleepy. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that because think about when we hold tension of any sort, anxiety, fear, when we hold that in our body, it's like carrying heavy stuff around. Like imagine just carrying armfuls of very heavy things and never putting it down. And when you finally put it down, it's like, oh, this big release, right? And you know, have you ever gone and worked out a real heavy, maybe weight training session? And you're like, yes, all of that. And then you, all that emotion is kind of drained out of you after that workout. And you get the best nap afterwards. Yeah. yeah. I, right? I think it's no secret, Lucy, that, you know, we all love Jesus. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you just mentioned that analogy because on one of the meditations um, that all of us listen to now every morning, but one of the recent ones, it was um, just an image of carrying in like your arms and hands just full of really heavy groceries. And mm-hmm. then the feeling of the relief of being able to set those down and just the weight that literally gets lifted off. And um, mm-hmm. and so for me, you know, Jesus is my go-to and my outlet. Mm-hmm. And I do when I spend time with him and I, you know, even visualize you know, dropping off the groceries at his feet. Like it is just such a oh feeling. And I imagine mm-hmm. it's quite the same as what Kristen you're describing where it's just a huge relief and, and could make you tired. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kristen, one yeah. of the things that came up immediately for me when you were just talking about that suffocating feeling, 
a part of this whole process is sort of changing that image, right? But we talk a lot about metaphors. So part of what could that represent? If you're feeling suffocated, if we were to change that to something that's healthier and uh, hearing all that you've shared, all of you today about your mom, the image that just popped into my head was maybe she is just hugging you so tightly that (laughs) you ever had someone hug you so tightly and you're, they're a little taller than you and your face is kind of buried and it's like, I can't breathe, you know, kind of, you're hugging me so tight. Um, You know, that's a, that's a way to sort of look at that differently. Right. Yeah. I love that. that. So anytime that you feel suffocated, just throw up. Thanks mom. I needed that hug. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which she was taller than me and would hug me pretty tight. So So that's something that resonates with you. Yeah, for sure. It yeah, does. It's just, that. it's just a new feeling I had never experienced before, you know? So mm-hmm. I was like, what is this about? Yeah. Yeah. So. I thought I was like a pretty good breather for the most part, but <laughs> I've realized lately that I'm actually not. And so I've started doing where you count, like if I'm feeling like what you're kind of describing, Kristen, I'll count yeah. for six full seconds of breathing in and then hold your breath for six full seconds and then breathe out for six whole seconds. It's really hard yeah. to do, but I find if I do that longer, I start to um, calm my everything. I don't know if it's my central nervous system or something, but it helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you every person listening to this will just breathe in deeply and breathe <laughs> yeah, out after because so, yeah. I literally just did that. <laughs> yeah. That's hey, the goal. Lucy. I wanted to pause really quick because I spoke about the Morse code bracelets that we love so much on last week's episode. And one thing I forgot to mention is that you can actually do any phrase and turn it into Morse code. So you can personalize these bracelets and do other phrases beyond just what we have, the until you meet again, which of course we love that one. But some examples would be always in my heart, be still and know that I'm with you, be stronger than the storm, or say you just want to put your own like family you know, phrase that you love on there, you can, you can even add like a cross charm. So she really lets you personalize it and make it your own, which I love. They're also adjustable to fit all wrist sizes, which is really, really nice. So anyways, I just wanted to add that in. If you want to check them out, go to Almost Famosa, which is A-L-M-O-S-T-F-A-M-O-U-S-A.com and use code slept in my makeup for 15% off. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, as you probably are very firsthand aware, you know, we're we're not the only ones suffering out there. There's so much trauma and, and hardship and stuff. And I guess you mentioned earlier just the coping skills. And I think that that is such a huge thing for me is just having that toolbox of tools to go pull something out of uh, one of them out in a moment of whatever I'm feeling. And mm-hmm. so I guess I know this is a general statement, but are there any maybe top tools that you can provide to us and our listeners of that we can go reach for that just in this time of like change and um, stress and trauma? Are there any that just first come to mind that you could offer? Of course. Yeah. One of the the hardest things is to Uh, reach out, to step out, um, to take action or movement. 
it just seems so counterintuitive in those moments when we want to retreat. It's so easy to isolate and not reach out. It may be something as simple as movement, walking, some kind of physical activity, being in the presence of others. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to hold deep conversations or even contribute to a conversation, but just connecting with other people being in that environment. So I always encourage, even if you're feeling, I don't want to, that's probably a good indication of, I need to. Um, yeah. So that's that's a big one. I love that. Connect with things that are have been meaningful with you. Um, if it's the loss of someone, connect with things that have been meaningful with you and that other person. Reading helps. Seeing a therapist uh, helps. Yeah. Uh, journaling. Um, I saw something today, which was really incredible. I think I'm just going to get it for myself just um, <laughs> to, for relaxation purposes, but it was a beautiful lettering journal. Oh, so cool. it teaches you different script, how to, you know, do different types of scripts. And then it has a place to journal about the script that you just learned how to copy and write. So it may be something very loopy, lots of curls, kind of calligraphy-like or different types of lettering. But each phrase is an affirmation and inspiring and that prompts you to journal. That sounds really Sometimes, cool. Yeah, some, and journaling, I think people often aren't sure how to do that. It can be a bullet points. It can be pictures. It does not have to be a story Yeah, from beginning to end. It can be whatever you need it to be. Uh, you can take photographs. You can get as creative as you like. It's an outlet, right? And yeah. it is a, so a lot of people will say, well, these are just tools of distraction. And the answer, the short answer is, yes, you're correct. Uh -huh. These are tools of distraction. And they are very necessary distractions because we have to break that uh, negative tape that's in your brain mm -hmm. of thinking constantly about what's not going well or yeah. what, neg what was negative. So we have to interrupt that process because otherwise we're just reinforcing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love um, that. And I also wanted to bring up the fact because I feel like this happens a lot. It's happened to me where there's been years I wanted to get a therapist, right? A local one, but it's, mm -hmm. it was so exhausting because, you know, I don't think every therapist is right for every person, right? Sure, so, absolutely. And I'm not going to lie. It's exhausting trying to find, and I don't know why it's so exhausting, but it for me, it really <laughs> is and was, is finding the right person that, you know, fits with you. But I want to say, I think it's so worth finding that person. And I think too, I want to point out, I think it's been really helpful for me if, I go in with really no expectations. Mm -hmm. um, do you agree? Like, I just think that's one reason, or for me, that's what held me back from getting uh, or finding the right therapist. But I just want to point that out because I'm like, if you want mm -hmm. one, like, don't keep trying, you know, find that right one. <laughs> I agree with that. You know, as a therapist, um, I think it's always about finding the best fit. And that can mean a lot of different things. So it it may be I need a good fit of someone who will challenge me. 
you know, or I need a good fit of someone who understands where I come from, you know, and, you know, where I grew up or what that region of the country was like, or so they understand some of the values and beliefs. There are lots of things that help build that alliance between a client and therapist. And sometimes I think therapists kind of hold back. They may not have enough information about themselves as a human. Yeah. Um, and I, and then of course there are those who, you know, do way too much. <laughs> so we try to, to try to strike a balance with that. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people find it exhausting because they're already in emotional distress. So mm-hmm. to exert that energy is just, they're having to muster up, you know, that much more energy to step out right? Right. Like we talked about before that coping. So that's the coping mechanism. They're stepping out and taking action. And that, that takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. I have many friends that kind of the same thing, Kristen, that you're talking about. They're like, well, I just, I can't find one, but I'm like, how have you looked? Like how much have you looked? (laughs) Yeah. Ask your friends, ask your family. Um, There are many search engines. The vast majority of people come to my practice by word of mouth um, Mm -hmm. through their friends and family. And oh, yeah, I send your I send your information to everybody (laughs) I know that's willing to. (laughs) Thank you. Listen. You know, and if you are someone who wants to use insurance, oftentimes your insurance has a list of therapists in your area that accept your insurance. And I think a lot of people um, do not know that can go and do a search in that way. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that because that's a whole nother ball game is insurance. Oh my Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yes. Well, is there anything, Lucy, that you'd love for our listeners to kind of know about therapy or about you specifically that we didn't touch on? Oh, we touched on so many things. Um, and I just appreciate the opportunity to come on and just support Mental Health Month. It's something that's so important to me as a clinician. You know, I've been doing uh, mental health work for 27 years. And it's so important. And I've watched it over the years, you know, the attempts to reduce the stigma of mental health. We all deserve emotional wellness. Mm -hmm. We deserve to be the best version of ourselves. And whether that someone comes to see me or one of my, you know, associates or anywhere else, I say, take that risk because the rewards so outweigh you know, the benefits outweigh the mm-hmm. risk. And this, you know, if you go to someone and you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I liked you know, their approach, guess what? There's another one probably within a mile down the road. Quite honestly, we are everywhere. So there is somebody for you to see. Yes, yeah. I love I that. Love that. <laughs> and then we do, we, so we used to do like weekly challenges, but we found we weren't following through on them. So <laughs> talk about boundaries. Um, we've set up our challenges to be once a month and we wanted to see if you had a challenge for us and our listeners for this month. Well, I do have one and I personally think it's pretty simple. And I have found in my own life, just as, you know, not necessarily as a clinician, but just as an individual that it's so rewarding. And it's simply when you're interacting with someone, whether it's at you know the grocery store or the gas station or 
um, on a video conference, take a moment and really just look at that person in the eyes, you know, say thank you if they've done even the smallest thing. Mm-hmm. Set use those things, p- please, and say, I need help. Let your voice be heard. You just never know how that's going to impact another person. It will always impact you. I love that. Yeah. So good. And I think looking in the eyes is a big thing too. I don't think I always do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's hard for some people too. I love that though. And I yeah. just wanted to say thank you, Lucy, because you've been such a blessing to our, honestly, our entire family. So yes. we just really, you know, love you and want to thank you. So yeah, you're so welcome. It's so great to be on and thank you all for all that you're doing to support mental health. Yes. And where do people find you? What's your website? Uh, it's www.underwoodcounseling.net. Perfect. Awesome. And you can help anyone in the state of Texas. Is that correct? That is correct. We actually have clients across the entire state of Texas, uh, as far away as El Paso, South Texas. We have a lot of people who work with us from Houston. We offer both telehealth uh, video sessions as well as in office. People travel to come and see us. I'm also licensed in Colorado. And so I can see Uh, clients in Colorado via telehealth. And we hope we're anticipating opening our office in Colorado by the summer. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I'm going to send my best friend to you. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, we're looking in the area around Centennial, Castle Rock, Parker in that area. Love it. Very cool. I love it. Well, congratulations on that. Um, And we do like to end our episodes with a prayer. Is that okay with you? I'm happy to participate. Absolutely. Okay, Okay, great. Normally, Lauren does the prayers, so this will be a little choppy coming from me, I guess. Whatever. Don't put me on. I can't. I can't help you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. All right. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for bringing Lucy into our lives in the first place and Thank you for allowing us the space to get just therapy and mental health out there in the world. I'm so happy to see that it's, you know, talked about so much more and we're just so grateful that we have, you know, the means to be able to have therapists now. We're more readily available and we just give all the glory to you and we just pray for all the listeners today that something really from this episode spoke to them and whether that means they're running to get a therapist or they're putting some new coping mechanisms in their tool belt. We just hope that um, it blesses each of them. And we're just so grateful for you, Lord. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lucy. Have a great day. Y'all as well. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another week of Girl I Slept in My Makeup. If you like us, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about us or get in touch with us, go to our website, girlisleptinmymakeup.com, where you'll also find links to our Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And yeah, make it a great week. God bless.